Sony is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Baller Boys podcast. I'm your host, Vis. And today, I have my two very close friends, Rahul. Hello, hello. And Kaiser. Hello. So guys, uh, this is the uh, second part of the uh, mid-international uh, uh, break podcast. So the previous one we did yes. was we covered a few teams were uh, Chelsea, covered Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs and West Ham. Uh, please check that out uh, if you haven't already. And for today's part, what we're going to do is we're going to cover City, Leicester, Wolves, United and Everton. So we're just going to look at these teams in isolation and just talk about the you know three games that have been played already and just sort of deep dive into each team. So let's start off with uh, last season's Premier League champions, Man City, currently sitting in seventh with six points. And uh, Rahul, do you want to cover this? Yeah, so when we when we were doing research for the pod, uh, obviously I was trying to look up stuff for City, right? And I was stuck. And obviously you guys know, because before the pod, I was just asking you guys, like, what what can we take away so far from the first three games? And it's pretty difficult. The Norwich game, I think, you know, no one would have predicted anything but a City win. Obviously, it was quite comprehensive. They put five past them. The Arsenal game, I think the main talking points were maybe about Arsenal rather than City in the fact that, you know, capitulation. Um, City did well to weather about eight minutes of Arsenal pressure. And then after Gundogan got that that header at the far post, I think it was all City. Jaka goes on to get a red card and then, you know, you can only see one outcome from there. And obviously, the the, the previous game which we've already spoken about is the defeat at Spurs. So I don't know how much we can take away for the season to come. In a very un-Pep-like yeah. uh, sort of fashion, he started the Norwich and the Arsenal game with the exact same level. I'm sure there's a wow. statistic out there yeah. from when the last time that has happened. <laughs> and um, got, this, got the same result as well. Yeah. And got the exact same result. 2 5 nil. But see, sort of you see the next level. game, he's going to drop Torres. F- Torres yeah, he'll do something else as well. Yeah, I don't know if Laporte starts again. So that's the thing. So I think it's yeah, almost in a way I'm struggling to find about talking points about City. I think Pep as well because he's got so many things pending on the side. He's got KDB and Foden not back to fitness yet. He's got all the controversy with Mendy. Uh, Zinchenko probably not fit yet. So he's had to play Cancelo on the left and Walker on the right. So he again is quite limited in his options. Uh, and I think that's why you saw you know two consecutive starting 11s with the exact same personnel. The only thing I would say about the 2-5 nils... Go on, Kaiser. Yeah, go, carry on. No, the only thing I would say about the 2-5 nils, and it's something which is not new this season, and it's been a feature of Guardiola's City, is that I think City, in recent memory, are one of the best teams at turning the screw. So the moment they go 1-0, 2-0 up, right, very soon that 3-4-5 comes. And it sounds so simple, and it sounds like, you know, I mean, that's not something which is... uh, not common other teams but I think a lot of other teams struggle with it I think Liverpool struggle with that I think Liverpool yeah, always struggle turning 1-0s yeah. into 2-0s and even 2-0s beyond that 
Uh, Chelsea have been quite low scoring over the last few seasons. Uh, so we haven't seen, is that something they can maybe develop in this season? But that's something City are very good at. I think the moment they find the workout... The, the, mo- the moment Kaiser just keeps interrupting you because he doesn't no, want to no. speak, I guess. <laughs> he doesn't say anything either. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, no, you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is a problem with my shitty internet, like, I think. Um, <laughs> I can't even see your faces on the meet as well. <laughs> but I think yeah, it's so far I think that's the only thing we will take away from that. The city, the city teams are ruthless, and the moment they find a chink in the armor, they'll go for it. And you know, once they've considered one nil, two nils, it's very hard to get a result against them. Now I was gonna say that this is despite like you said, KDB Foden being out, um, and them not having an out and out striker as we discussed at length uh, before, and yet they're able to turn teams five nil, five nil. Like like you said, maybe it's more on Norwich and Arsenal being terrible during those games but it just shows that City have such a good squad depth and the ability to really run teams into the ground yeah they're, they're really strong when they score the first goal that's for sure but when they sort of don't get that first goal they get a bit nervy a bit shaky and that's when they start making mistakes I would say I think that's very City-like but every time when they usually score the first goal they're going to win that game lah, most of the time yep I'd agree and I think Kaiser you raised a good point there so about the squad Having such a good squad obviously has its positives, but I think the one thing City fans have been sort of mentioning this summer is their surprise that all three of Laporte, Jesus and uh, Bernardo Silva are still playing. Because those three, I think at the beginning of the window, you'd have probably, you know, sort of edged at them leaving the squad. Pep has already referenced at the end of last season where he likes to shake the squad around. He likes to sort of rotate players and... uh, try to get rid of anyone who he gets the feeling that they don't want to be there. Bernardo and Jesus have been quite vocal in their, uh, not dissent, but in the, the fact that they're unhappy that they haven't been central to starting um, yeah. their important games. But what's so yeah. funny about that is that this season, all of them have played pretty central roles. Laporte has started all games next to Diaz. Jesus has been reinvented on the wing. And uh, <laughs> Silva has started Maybe. all their games as well. So... Is is interesting in the fact that you know when you have such a good squad, even the players on the peripheries who you would have been quite happy to let go, can still produce such high quality uh, performances week in week out, and that's I think that's why I still got them as probably favourites for the league. Oh, not Chelsea. Yeah, I'll agree with. Oh, City hmm. favourites for the league. I yeah. think so. I mean, on our last part, that's what I said. I think I still oh, back City, okay. You know, the, the, right, even right. though the fact they didn't get Kane in, like I said, it's so early, so it's so hard to take yeah. away much from all these games. Um, but because were they've they done planning it to get a replacement for Laporte? Because I agree with Jesus and Bernardo. I think they were definitely uh, being looked to be shipped on. I guess especially if they got a striker. Uh, but Laporte, I don't know who's his backup. Ake, right? I mean, apart from Stones and Diaz partnership, I guess. I think yeah, it's, it's not Ake. so much uh, getting a replacement for Laporte rather than Laporte not being happy that he's mm. not start, you mm. know, he's not okay. one of the starting centre backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, with a World Cup year, that not a World Cup year, but you got you know a World Cup in what just World over coming up, yeah. fifteen months, you want to be starting, you know. Um, so I think it's more from his point of view than City want to get rid of him. So yeah, if you look at their upcoming fixtures, um, they play Leicester away, and then they have Southampton at home, and then it's Chelsea away, Liverpool away. So. I guess out of those four fixtures, two fixtures are relatively easy considering Leicester's poor form 
and Southampton Leicester is a team yeah. that uh, City are eventually going to beat. But yeah, Chelsea and Liverpool that would be tough. But then again, these Oof. are out of the four tasty, games. Tasty, tasty games. Yeah, oh three games are away. It's gonna be good. Huh? And only one game's at home. So maybe, maybe we'll see something different. I don't know. But then, you know, uh, City are a team who they can lose one game against Spurs and then win the next 20 in a row. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they have the, they have the Bruyne back soon. They have the Bruyne back soon as well, right? Yeah. I think Foden, Which, I saw um, his training today as well. So they've just got such a scary, good squad. Scary man. thought. Very good yeah. squad. So, yeah, on Leicester, um, why don't uh, we talk about that, Kaiser? They haven't been, you know, too great. I mean, they're sitting in ninth right now uh, with six points in total. So they've got two wins and then one uh, loss to West Ham, the one that got thrashed 4-1. So let's talk about the last match. Yeah, Kaiser, Norwich away. They won 2-1, but wasn't convincing, yeah? Yeah, it was not convincing. I mean, very ineffective, lacklustre display. I think similar to their other two games. Um, so Yun Chu is the big one. I feel. I mean, he stands out like a sore thumb. Every game, he's making huge mistakes. He made two this game. Uh, really struggling without uh, Evans, and they hope Vestergaard will be his uh, long-term uh, partner there. Uh, mm-hmm. But he gave the ball away in such a dangerous area. Gave away the penalty as well. Big mistake uh, made there. From He's just so front-foot and aggressive that it's so obvious when he makes these kind of mistakes and he doesn't have a calm senior head. Uh, next to him and you guys mentioned that he also got sent off right in the turkey game so uh, yeah. he's having quite a torrid time torrid time at the moment uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah two wins out of three uh, international break I think comes at a good time Pereira who got injured during that game uh, might come back Evans and Vestergaard as well so they'll be hoping to push on after this um, but two wins out of three Still decent start. I think it shows the importance of a defensive partner, right? Because in my eyes, I would have said Suyonku is one of the better centre backs in the league, and I think he's been quite uh, he's been quite consistent for Leicester uh, since he's come in. But the moment he's got someone like Amati, and I think this is like when you see uh, there are a few other examples across the league. So the most obvious one I can see is like Matip and Lovren. Uh, Matip and Lovren have been all right first I think they've been really good centre-backs but the moment you put them next to Van Dijk they look two times better three times better themselves so I think the opposite has happened here obviously is Suyonku and he's been put next to Amati who I don't think is very good is a bit of a liability he sort of uh, I I don't know if he's being pulled into positions to cover Amati or you know it's just a lack of communication but for some reason he's been you know exposed a lot more as well so I think it shows the importance when you're a centre-back how important it is the person next to you as well yeah um, some other players I wanted to pick up was Barnes of course who we expected to hit the ground running especially after the good form he's had uh, last season he's been very ineffective so has Madison uh, actually who was linked with a move away to Arsenal Dewsbury Hall fans are very excited this guy who made his debut coming on for Madison this game uh, had a very good season at Luton Town uh, last season still very young uh, but one to watch and hopefully they say can replace Madison uh, when he's not uh, playing well like he is currently Vardy still smashing it at 34 though um, and Ihe yeah. Nacho is a big question mark what do you guys think as in Ihe Nacho had such a great season um, and he's not starting at all uh, this season yeah I mean it's, it's very strange of course because he had one hell of a second half season uh, last season right 
and the fact that he's not starting, I think it goes to show how much they prioritize Barnes in a way. Because prior to Barnes getting injured, Ian Nacho was not on the scene. Only after Barnes got injured is when they shifted to a three-five-two. So their yeah. you know preferable formation is that that four-three-three sort of with uh, Barnes playing off the left. But you know mm. he's been so ineffective recently. I mean this season, beginning of the season. I, I don't know why though. I don't know what's wrong with him. Is it because he's coming back after a long injury? Yeah, I think ba- yeah Barnes is definitely one thing. But again, Kaiser coming back to that question. Ian Nacho finished the season so well. Leicester arguably. Obviously, they didn't quite make it a fourth, but I think the three-five-two was working with them, and I think it might yeah. be more. Uh, Barnes is one thing, but it could be the fact that Viz, you mentioned this before when we were off port, is the fact that they don't have the centre backs available to play a three. And so I think when they managed to finally integrate Vestergaard and get Evans back in, I don't know whether they'll start playing with a two might and whether they look yeah. at Daka playing as well. You know, if, if yeah. I don't know if something's gone on with Ian Atchu in preseason or anything like that. Um, but that's why it's so interesting this City Leicester game, because like we said, I can't really take much from the City performances so far, and Leicester sometimes. Ha- I mean, they've given them I- issues in the Charity Shield. They were much be- the better team in the Charity Shield, which was not long yeah, ago. Yeah. So I think that'll so, be a really yeah. good marker in the season to see how City cope with that and how Leicester, uh, you know, either kick on or whether we see they're still having these problems that they had in the first three games. Yeah, I think they they're slowly betting in uh, Daka and Sumare as well. So I think. Throughout the season, long term, especially with the uh, Europa League to to think about as well, um, that it could prove to be a tricky season for them. Yeah, Leicester have been so off it so far. I know it's only been three games, but not convincing at all. I mean, if you look at how they started last season, you know they beat City five two. I think that was what one of their first two three fixtures. Or the, sorry, Viz. The thing I was going to mention as well is one of the bright. Uh, one of the positives you've taken away from the first three games as a Leicester fan is Ricardo Pereira. He's been so good. Two assists in the first three games. And he's picked up a hamstring injury there. Yeah. And again, it's early days, but I don't know if he's going to be one of those players where following like a big knee injury, he keeps on picking these small niggles up here and there. Castagne again okay. has not been fit since the Euro. So just a yeah. few things are adding up for them. And then you add Europa on top of that. Like you said, I don't know if it's going to be one of those seasons where they don't, you know, they can't just quite quite get started. Yeah, I remember being so positive pre-season because last two seasons, they finished fifth, right? And they're going to finish, they finish above fifth, Liverpool. Finishing right? above Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. they're going to finish above Liverpool. <laughs> and uh, even after finishing fifth, uh, they were the only team, I think, that spent the most days in the top four or something like that, you know, and they eventually fell out and finished fifth. So I thought this season was going to be the season with Patson Daka, with Sumare, all of these players coming in, right? I thought... <laughs> still uh, can Bob, be. Bob, Bob, it still, still can be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Early days. <laughs> it's still three games, but uh, yeah, it looks like it could be tricky, especially Europa League. Uh, I mean, similar issue to West Ham potentially. Yeah. And then they have, uh, so the next three fixtures, uh, it's, it's not too great. I mean, they have City at home, and then they have Brighton away, and then Burnley at home. So I think it's possible to get at least six out of nine points in their next three. But I think Brighton's yeah, going to be tough. That, I, I honestly think Brighton's going to be a tough one for Leeds. Eh, sorry, for Leicester. Apologies. So yeah, um, with that being said, I think our next uh, segment, we're going to talk about Manchester United. So Man United, um, they've got, um, this. sorry, they're sitting at third right now with seven points out of a possible nine. Happy so, love is. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> happy, happy. Of course, we haven't lost the game. So in third, I mean, third not as happy as five one against Leeds, and then after that you see the next two performances, right? So it's five one mm. against Leeds, and then you have one one, yeah, away to Southampton, and then you have a very scrappy one nil away win to Wolves. That's that's a nice so, way to put it. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, looking at the positives of it, uh, we are twenty eight games unbeaten away from home. That's a new PL record. So Bruno Fernandez, ever since he joined uh, us, uh, he's been he's he's never lost an away game in the league basically. So out of those twenty eight games unbeaten, we've won eighteen, and then we've drawn ten games. Out of which nine uh, of those uh, out of those eighteen wins were all comeback wins. So uh, there's a there's a trend here in in why I'm saying that is the other teams who are uh, who are who come in second third and fourth are the arsenals who hold this record i mean for the longest run away from home being unbeaten uh, arsenal liverpool and you have nottingham forest as well but the thing is all the other teams i just mentioned have won the league in that particular year when they went unbeaten you know and there's just there's just something about united that that you know that hasn't been as effective i would say and winning this this winning away from home goes to show one thing and this is what i can take away from it is is the fact that we are better playing against teams who come at us it's as simple as that you know over the over the past what two three seasons that we've seen always man united you spaces know spaces open up yeah. yeah spaces open up yes and and the and the only thing we lack is to break teams down. That's always been a problem for us. And then we thought Bruno was going to come in and then solve that issue immediately. But no, uh, definitely we've gotten better at breaking teams down. But still, we're not there yet. You know, we're really not there yet. You see, the Leeds game. Did Ronaldo me, might solve that? That's a tough one. That's a tough one because at the end of the day, for Ronaldo to score, we need to give him the ball, right? So I think that will be the challenge. Not him scoring, but more of us providing him with the ball to you know kind of do that. So yeah. I mean of course of course he's going to have an impact I'm not saying he's not going to but but we also have to do our part in feeding him the ball essentially so okay we look at the three games okay the Leeds game I think that was great uh Leeds are the perfect type of of opponent for Man United you know in terms of the space they leave behind when they are one one on one pressing style and but it's not the same case when United played Southampton when they played Wolves you could see yeah. that the level of football it's it's still not there, you know. Okay, I want to ask you guys, as Liverpool fans, lah. You know, we've signed Jadon Sancho, we've signed Varane. You look at our team now. Our team on paper looks mad, right? With Ronaldo as well. But when you when you watch those last two games, what do you, can you all take us seriously? Like, does it concern you? You know. Yeah. Again, it is uh, two games. Uh, but yeah, I know what you mean. When especially when you compare with how City. Uh, Chelsea and, and Liverpool have been playing. I definitely see those three as the top bracket um, teams. And like you said, you have a way that you're struggling to to break teams down and it's just not as fluent. I don't know what it is exactly, but it, it's just not ready to basically win titles with those kind of uh, teams, you know, and the way you, you're playing currently. So, yeah, I mean, I might eat my words now before Ronaldo starts uh, smashing in yeah. the goals. But, I mean, that's how that's how you feel when you watch um, how ineffective sometimes United can be. Yeah, exactly. And and what do you think, Raul? I think largely I, I agree with Kaiser and the fact that when you watch them... Okay, it's, it's easier for me to put into context. So when you watch a Chelsea and you watch a City over the last sort of 12 months, let's not even talk about Liverpool, right? You just watch them and you see, wow, these are really good footballing sides. These are obviously the better team 
you know yeah. I, I think when Chelsea and City play most likely they are the better team on the pitch you don't get the same feeling from Man United and if you look at things like possession statistics right you look at your City your Liverpool your Chelsea all of them have I'm just I've just got it up now I yeah. don't I don't know this off by heart but they all have above 65 70% possession at home and then you look at United they're all the way at 49% with the league average being about 47% So you know, if you, you they they don't have um, they ha- or not to say they don't have but they've struggled to establish a style of play which enables them to turn the screw. Yeah. So you're talking you're talking about yeah. uh, you know United sort of imposing themselves and finding the second goal or breaking down a certain team. That's where they've struggled. And I think but that but I think that's why over the summer you guys have been calling out for a really good number six. So then you can yeah. obviously have yeah. two players ahead of him. Which will you know? Which yeah. will help address this issue. Um, so it is difficult. It is difficult because the attacking talent in the United team is, I would say, up there. Obviously, one of the best in the league. Ronaldo obviously makes it probably, you know, if any front three, yeah, I would be surprised. On yeah, on paper for sure. So it's it's about sort of how can United become imposing. Yeah, and you see, that's the thing. Our defense is good, our attack is good, but then our midfield is sort of like, like. I don't know. You know, I really don't know what what's going on there. Like you said, going back to your point, Rahul, the the number six role, we really need someone who can play that lone defensive midfielder sort of role. Okay, so you can see how how evident it was that we needed someone like that in, in the Wolves game. Let's just talk about the Wolves game, yeah. Wolves deserve to win that game, and I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, maybe they deserve the point. No, Wolves deserve to win that game. We finished that game with an xG of zero point nine. While Wolves, you know, finished that game with an XG of 1.7, so that's almost double our XG, and so Wolves are very unlucky to finish that game. So if you look, is when Fred he plays he when he plays as a lone CDM, right? He struggles. He struggles so much. You know, he's more suited with playing with like a McTominay or maybe even with a Matic. I would say, but the best, the best would be with McTominay. But when he plays with Pogba, there's just too much space in midfield. Yeah. You know, when when teams counter attack, right? Uh, it's, it's so obvious, right, Kaiser? You watched the game as well, right? The Wolves game. Yeah. You saw how much space uh, Traore had. Yeah, both midfielders are struggling so much. I mean, the midfield was so open. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, but that means then you have to start playing Pogba left midfield, which there's already so much competition now that that's exactly. such a problem. And so, you can't be playing Fred and McTom every game. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. So the only person. I feel that who can save United right now, and it's not even if it's not even someone who's within the squad is is Matic, but we need a prime Matic. A prime Matic would be able to solve the issues that we're having right now, you know. And it's yeah. not it's well, not he's not gonna improve he's anytime gonna, soon. He's yeah, already. I mean he's, he's done already. Yeah, you know. But then yeah. you know it goes to show that that Ole right, he he does have faith in either one McTominay or Fred to play that lone CM role. And so uh, I think. Yeah. One thing that could change is uh, one thing United do really well is getting Luke Shaw quite advanced and him mm-hmm. putting in crosses. One thing they haven't done well is making you know taking advantage of the crosses. I mean, <laughs> all of us earning Shaw last season, you knew yeah. every game how many assists did he actually get compared to the balls he was putting in. And I don't think that's yeah. the quality of the balls he's putting in. I think they just didn't have someone besides Cavani. Who's central and yeah. can take advantage of that? I think yeah. possibly Ronaldo playing. Maybe, maybe that's something that changes. Yeah, you know? and yeah. Then maybe that's something. 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 Maybe that's something.
Yeah, but that, you see, that's something that worries me as well because the past three games, Shaw has not been attacking at all, you know, and the amount of chances that we created. Okay, we just take away the Wolves game, uh, the the Leeds game. The other two games, not much chances were created, bro. Like there was nothing much, you know, and it was not enough. And it's individual brilliance. We we spoke about this earlier. It's individual brilliance. Yeah. And uh, it's like Greenwood, you know, he's three goals in three games so far. He's basically carrying United. That Southampton game, he pulled a goal out of the bag. The the last game with Wolves, which was not even supposed to be a goal in my opinion, you know, he he got a goal. Yeah, in the very end. lucky. Yeah, that 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 lucky the goal. The foul, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a foul, but you know. And uh, yeah, he's in good form. You know, those are the positives. Varane had a very, very good game, I would say, against Wolves. Uh, he he sort of, you know, organized and coordinated the back four. And I think the back four played very well. We can say, oh, you know, uh, United were, you know, very poor in terms of uh, what he called the conceding chances and this and that. By the end of the day, when they had to defend, they defended. The keeper stepped up when he had to. Juan Bissaka saved the goal off the line, you know. So these guys are performing. And, and hopefully, hopefully, we sort of get some rhythm moving forward. And yeah, we'll think, see. Yeah, we'll see how important. it goes. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So yeah, okay. Since we're talking about wolves, Kaiser, why not we highlight wolves in general? Let's let's talk about wolves itself. Yeah, very interesting start. Um, opposite of Spurs, exactly losing all the games one zero, where Spurs have won uh, all one nil. Um, super super promising start. Uh, both based on eye test performance as well as stats. Yeah. Uh, despite the the three losses, I mean the third highest xG from open play in the league, second lowest uh, expected goals conceded uh, wow. from open play. Despite tough fixtures, uh, yeah. mind you, Leicester, Spurs, and then United. Uh, so there's a lot of hope, uh, but yeah, the question is who are gonna get the goals? Yeah, see that's the thing. See when we look at uh, like the philosophy of uh, Bruno Large, right? I mean he likes the attacking football. You know that that's what he 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 sort of brings in. That's his philosophy, and he sort of like you can play defensive if you want to, but that's not how football should be played. This is what he said, and mm. you compare that with Nuno's philosophy, which is you know clean sheets are the start to everything, right? Right. But okay, fine. It's only been three games, but look who's sitting at first and who's sitting at eighteenth after three games. You know. So going back to your point, Kaiser, does he actually have the personnel? To play the football that he wants, does he have the players who can score the amount of goals based off the chances they're creating? Exactly, yeah. we're all getting so excited, right? But the way Traore plays, I mean, it's unplayable at times. Just gliding past players. I mean, how scary was it for you just watching him play against United? Scary, bro. Right? Extremely scary. But you know, <laughs> deep down inside, right? We know. You know, the end, end product, product uh, end product is not there. Yeah. You know, really, that's 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 the problem with him. And okay, okay, since we're talking about Traore, right? Traore's highest goal scoring season has been only four goals. You know, and yeah. that's just one Terrible. guy. Trincao, he's had what eight goals uh, for Braga. That's his highest scoring. Semedo yeah. has uh, eleven goals in his entire career. Uh, Podence has five goals in his highest scoring season. So what I'm trying to say is these players, right? I feel are too going to be too dependent on Jimenez. And if Jimenez doesn't turn up, are uh, his his personnel going to have? Yeah, and Jimenez, we haven't even seen whether he can go back to his heights uh, right after exactly, his uh, the uh, head injury, skull, right? skull fracture. Yeah. So, on Trincao. I don't think I've seen... I mean, it's the first time I've seen him play. And my God, I've never been so excited seeing someone play. Probably last time was like Liverpool players like Suarez or Torres. First time seeing them play. I just don't know. I just That's love the huge, way he plays. Like, huge praise. He's Suarez, so Torres. <laughs> Passing, decision-making. I mean, like... How old is he? Why, How old is I, was, I was just so in awe. 21. Well, um, young, huh? Yeah, on, very young. on loan from Barcelona. So... I'm very, very excited to see more more of him. And another one to point out on the same side is Semedo, 
mm-hmm. who's getting into box loads. Very exciting, very dangerous. A bit Doherty-esque in terms of the positions he's uh, taking up uh, previously. But whether he can convert that to assists and goals uh, is a different story. Uh, but yeah, on the United game specifically... Uh, sorry, no, no, Kaiser, carry on. I was just going to make a point after you finish. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> Rao's doing it to you. La. <laughs> <laughs> the reverse. <laughs> no, I just wanted to touch on the United game. I think Viz has covered on the Man United part, but Wolves were constantly uh, pressuring um, the goal, basically, from the start. They had nine shots in the first half. De Gea was a double save, you guys remember, so they were very, very unlucky to score uh, to not score. And yet, at the back, they were also very solid. I mean, Shaw didn't create uh, any chance, and he's yeah. usually very, very creative. Zero chances from open play. And the thing about them is Neves and Moutinho, who are sort of the unsung heroes of the team, they press so high up that they get um, so many offensive turnovers, and that allows Traore and Lights of Trinkau to get released. And I don't know, I'm just very, very um, hopeful and excited to see what Wolves have in store. But like you said, the personnel they have... And yeah. they finish off their chances. But I think it's just a matter of time because um, the way they're playing looks very, very nice. They're very, very exciting. And they sort of have favourable fixtures coming up. They, mm. you know, they play against Watford away. And then they have Brentford. Then they have Southampton. Surely, surely the goals will come. Surely. I think just the point I wanted to make is... A sim- I don't know. I don't know where I stand. I don't know if I'm po- as positive as you guys on Wolves, right? And I think this is where the people who don't like stats like XG will use as examples. So I think they used sim- Brighton right. similarly last season, where XG mm. is a cumulative thing, right? Across a 90. Another good example of this yeah. is the Chelsea Liverpool game. Because I think, say, let's say we, didn't, say we didn't look at the stats and you came away, I definitely would have thought Liverpool didn't really produce any high quality chances. You know, if if anything, I think the Henderson chance maybe was the best chance of the game and that was before the red card. Yet you come away, you look right. at the XG from the game and it was something like 3.5 to Chelsea's 0.8. So I think it, it, when you get low quality chances but multiple times across the game, yeah. it adds up and it sort of skews yeah. the, the picture. Yeah. So yeah, everyone's saying, you know, uh, they've got the XG of this across the three games but is it actually high quality chances? The header that the Gea saved, the yeah. double save, yes, for sure. That's point blank range. But besides yeah. that, did they have mm. any sitters? Yeah, Trincao. Trincao was meant Trincao. to score that. Traore had some one-on-ones uh, in um, the games. That but all, I, I, get, I get what you're trying to say. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, the shots, right, that they have been taking Wolves, huh, is not to say high quality shots, you know. It's very poor attempts. Although the volume is high, is is quite poor. The exactly. Attempts, you know, exactly. not all hundred percent type of goals. Yeah. yeah. So. And like you've touched on before, I think Rahu previously that like elite finishers will always overperform their. Yeah. XG, exactly. Right? Um, so that's something. So we sorry, guys. Just I got the exact goals. numbers here. It's three point three five to point seven three for Liverpool Chelsea game, which if you ask me is not reflective. Of the actual game, lah, you know. Yeah, of what you saw, yeah. Yeah, but I think even if you, you take, take away the penalty, the penalty, which is point eight, it's still two point five to point seven three. Yeah, right? the penalty is I think point eight something like that. So really, I don't really? know. I, there was no clear cut. That's what I'm trying to remember. So, and Raul, you watched the game again, right? You rewatched yeah. the game, right? So the you Henderson surely one, remember the Henderson one was a big chance. It was and the main all one. of them were literally shots from outside the box. After that, I wouldn't say there were yeah. any clear. So cut probably chances. what, what. It should be backed up with is probably the quality of chances, right? Like maybe shots in the box or big chances. Uh, big Look chances in combination kind of with, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. combination. Yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah like you said, there's done. so many things that go into the calculation of you know expected goals. It's like the position of where the shot is being taken from, the number of players that are in between the goal and the player who's shooting the ball. You know, it's very, very varied, and yeah, it can be extremely skewed. You know, sometimes. So yeah, you have to take everything yeah. into context definitely. And it was a good point, Rahul, that you brought up that the Liverpool game because I, I that's why I was shocked. Shocking, you know, right? You said yeah. that she was three. Yeah. 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 But if you use it on the United game, I mean, based on eye test, yeah. you, Wolves still it matches. Have won. Huh? It matches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Just that, just that one, yeah, one, yeah, yeah. More, yeah. Th- more often than not, it does match. But then you get your anomalies, lah, like like Son and Greenwood's HG is extremely low, you know. But because it's because the shots, imagine, yeah. the the, the from where he shoots, right? Yeah, so it's, it's very good, you know. So that's the that's the thing. All right. So since we've covered that, why don't we talk about Rafa and Everton? So in our next segment, we'll talk about Everton. So, Rafa Benitez, he's taken over Everton. And so far, I would say, pretty decent start. Um, I think the Everton fans are pretty happy. And uh, they've still not lost a game yet. And uh, currently sitting at 6th with 7 points. So, um, the first game was away to uh, Brighton, which they won 2-0. And then Leeds, uh, they drew away as well, 2-2. And then the last game, they won uh, 3-1 against Southampton at home. So Rahul, uh, I want to ask you this first. You being a Liverpool fan, and uh, Rafa going to Everton, how do, how does that make you feel? Uh, I think initially when you sort of see it, right, your the the, the uh, most obvious sort of thing which comes to mind is that you know of all the teams that you have to pick, why why does it have to be Everton, right? <laughs> there's so many um, other bloody teams. There's so many yeah. other things, and it dep- I think it depends on which lens you look at look at it from so i mean obviously if you're looking at it, it's just a fan's point of view fine i think it seems a bad bad thing but you got to understand i mean at the end of the day football is a is a job these are professionals rafa mm. still has his family on merseyside if you're offered uh, a really good job i mean everton's a premier league job it's still one of the, probably the best jobs in football right and in a place where you don't have to uproot your family i mean it, it seems like a practical thing for him to do Rafa has got a lot of brownie points, I think, obviously with the people of Liverpool as well. So not even, let's not talk about football, but I think he's done so much for the community. He's done so much for the families and everything around surrounding the Hillsborough disaster that because of that, I think sometimes in this case, maybe he's got more of a pass. But a lot of people, a lot of people are angry with it and don't quite understand it. A lot of Everton fans who weren't very happy. I know someone uh, who's a friend of a friend who had a season ticket and literally cancel the season ticket because they they uh, appointed <laughs> wow. Rafa so I think you get it's, you get it's reactions weird, it's weird how all. both it's weird how both sides don't like it right? you yeah, expect like oh thing. Everton fans will be like oh yeah we're gonna get one on Liverpool fans but it's just <laughs> but so far he's doing a good job I must say very very uh, pragmatic sort of manager someone who's come in someone who is uh, steadying the ship I would say and uh, it's looking positive so far uh, Rahul why don't you you know deep dive into Everton. So let's talk about, I mean, you talk about pragmatism there and it's so funny when I first was doing research for the pod again and looking at Everton, just looking at their transfers in, the first thing that struck me is there's a bit of a parallel and I don't know if this is a stretch or not between his first couple of seasons at Liverpool as well. So the first season he came in at Liverpool, he brought in players 
uh, who were very high, highly rated in La Liga, who played a good style of football. And these were Luis Garcia, Zabi Alonso, Gibril Cisse. We struggled a bit that season. And I think the first thing he learned from that season was the physicality and sort of uh, that style of play. The Premier League was very different to La Liga. So what he did in the second season, he managed, he went out and he just got three groks. And that's no insult to their footballing ability, but these were just big boys. So he got in Momo Sissoko, he got in Peter Crouch, and he got in Daniel Agger, right? So he's very pragmatic. When Rafa is pragmatic about a league, he goes out and he just addresses the problem. And I think that's what he's done with Everton again. I think he saw there was a severe lack of pace on either wing. So he was very clever. He got Damare Gray on a very cut price deal of less than 2 million, I believe. Um, he went and got Andros Townsend on a free from Crystal Palace. And then he's brought on Solomon Rondon as well, who covered uh, DCL. Um, so just that his minutes are spread out quite a lot. Uh, and this screams to me, again, what we all know about Rafa. He's pragmatic. He knows how to set up a team and to exploit what he sees in front of him. And he will stick to it. Uh, and we've seen the, the that coming yeah. to fruition so far already, you know? Yeah, on paper, it does look like pretty average signings actually like Damari Gray Townsend I mean these people haven't racked up uh, great numbers right in hey, the, but Gray's doing pretty well huh? yeah what a start yeah he's, uh, he's had a, start a good start season. yeah so, so we'll see if he can do, but yeah I mean if he is on a limited budget uh, like you said then yeah if he can do something with this group it'll be interesting so another question what is Rafa going to do with James Rodriguez you know and uh, he's been dropped by Co- uh, Colombia, and surely he, you know, wants some sort of international football, definitely, right? And uh, Rahul, remember you were saying something about how he came on on Twitch, right? What what, what did he say again uh, on Twitch? He, I can't remember he, exact <laughs> the exact wording, but I think some somebody was like, "Oh, you got a game tomorrow," and he was like, "I don't even know who Everton are playing." Oh my! God. Uh, and like, I don't know. I always feel when you're a professional in any sort of job, why just why do these kind of things? It serves no purpose, right? You only just put yourself in a worse position with the fans. Well, you, you, put s- you s- I mean, you see now more and more, I think, like peop- uh, Maitland-Niles, those kind of things, right? When they just push to the edge and they're just pissed off, I think it just gets so easy to, uh, to release just, I, I don't know how it ever... Helps. How will it ever manifest positively for you? Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just exactly. don't... It's so just shows exactly. so stupidity, right? But I mean, Hamas has been good for them. Last season, he played really well under Ancelotti. He's on a lot of wages... So I think coming back to the pragmatism of Rafa, I think he'll try to fit him in in best in, in a way he thinks which will help the team. I think coming back to the point where you made this, he's been dropped by Colombia, he'll want to play in the World Cup next year. So there's definitely yeah. a carrot there to uh, to coax him out and to say, you know, yeah. play for me, do this for whatever Rafa wants to do and, you know, I'll be starting you in games, you'll probably get back into favour of the Colombia side. But Rafa's not got along with Hamas before as well. They've had issues at Madrid. <laughs> Hamas is just not a, a Rafa player. We talk about luxury yeah. players, right? Hamas is a luxury player. He does... He is. He definitely is. Magic. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he pulls out amazing stuff. But Rafa doesn't care about that. Rafa wants you to run the channels. <laughs> Rafa wants you to, <laughs> to press the ball. Grind, yeah. Rafa wants... Yeah. yeah. So, that would be very interesting. Even though, they interesting. Have, even though they have the likes of uh, Decore and Alan, who's like super combo actually in centre midfield and probably can allow you to have a more flexible uh, player like uh, James Rodriguez with less responsibility but that's yeah like you said just not how Rafa wants a team to run I mean Ra- Rafa likes his mid- midfielders so almost boring that he went and made played Steven Gerrard as a right midfielder slash number 10 Wow. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if he's not trusting Steven Zara with defensive responsibilities, then, you know. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, 
So, I mean, I think essentially Hamas is marajok lah. He's he's sulking because yes, uh, yes. he came because he thought he gonna play with Ancelotti, right? Then yes. Ancelotti is like, <laughs> so did all I'm Everton fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so that's that's not the only issue right now. Uh, I think there's another issue with right back as well, right? And uh, Coleman is slowly getting older and older. Uh, he's 33 already. So what what are the other options they have right now, bro? I think he could. I think maybe number two, like pure right back, would be John Joe Kenny. Otherwise, Holgate and okay. Godfrey could definitely fill in there. But they're centre backs by trade, and I think they definitely wanted mm, yeah. to address this issue. I think I see Marcel Brands is their director of football, and he's been for a few <laughs> years saying, you know, we need to be looking at a right back. They looked at Dumfries. They looked at Max Aarons. Dumfries was hot property, obviously, because of the Euros. Couldn't. Yeah, get I was so it. worried when I saw that they were linked with uh, Dumfries. I was like, no way they're gonna get him. No, yeah, they, well, good, they bro. they didn't. So they they struggled. And Max Aarons is a good player as well. Uh, him and yeah. um, Godfrey have played at Norwich together, but you know they've not managed to address that issue. I think the other issue now is. Um, He started the season playing uh, Richard Lisson out wide with Calvert Lewin in the middle and Gray behind Calvert Lewin, and then quickly switched it. So since then, he's played Gray out wide and Richard Lisson in a two with DCL. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how he's gonna whether. So obviously, the fact that he started the season um, with Richard Lisson out wide says to me that the whole of preseason was based on that position, and they've switched them out to a four-four-two now. Can you play a four four two when you're playing against better teams? Will he look at mm. dropping mm. Richarlison back? And you know, there's so many questions still. And I mean, this is a recurring theme with all the teams we've talked about so far. Three games is such a small sample size. Very uh, small. It'll be interesting. Interesting to see how they approach uh, when they, you know, when Everton come up against a so-called bigger team or you know where they're the second best team on the pitch. Yeah, but so far I would say pretty good start. Um, sure. I don't think Everton fans are unhappy. I think they should be happy. One draw, yep. two wins. I think that's 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 pretty decent. And uh, yeah, I think with that being said, um, I think we can just wrap it up, guys. And thank you for listening, everybody. And catch you in the next pod. Bye. Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you 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 are, you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday. April Fool's Day is the biggest fool in Manchester, and that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. <laughs>